create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. The news flashes unemployment could reach 20% or more, and there could be a record number of bankruptcies filed. We cannot adequately describe the economic devastation that's being wrought by this coronavirus pandemic. When I heard this news, I thought about the many people losing their jobs, their families, and employers trying to cope with it all. And so I reached out to my good friend, Kerry Summers, who's one of the most successful CEOs that I know, a Christian businessman that has enormous faith and endurance. Kerry Summers is President Emeritus of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., which is phenomenal. Previously, he served as President and CEO of the Hershen Family Entertainment Silver Dollar City Corporation, one of the largest theme park attraction operators in the nation. He also served as the Vice President for Bass Pro Shops and as General Manager of Abercrombie and Fitch. Kerry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. You know, you have weathered a lot of storms as a business owner, CEO, entrepreneur, and you can empathize with these business owners and pastors, nonprofit leaders that right now they're having to let many of their faithful and loyal employees go. What can you say to them? I've never been through a coronavirus 19 episode of my life, but um, I did go through 1987, and then in the year 2000, we had just opened a brand new major development in Israel, and it was the grand opening was the first day of the first shot of the Intifada, the conflict that exists today, and then in 2009, we decided we would try to build a museum of the Bible in Washington, and I think most of us can still remember what 09 and 10 was like. So um, I've had, for some reason, maybe fortunate to have lived through uh, three of the more major uh, financial crises and, and political crises worldwide in the last 35 years. And what helped me through all of those is something that I started looking at in the mid-80s when I was trying to find something that I could send employees to that would, so they could understand uh, truly principles to live their life by, to operate their companies by. And I sent them to all kinds of seminars all over the world and, you know, including, you know, Disney. And these were very good, by the way. Uh, Disney and uh, even Stu Leonard's in Norwalk, Connecticut and Ritz Carlton, the Covey uh, leaderships. And, you know, they'd come back and they would say, you know, some of this, uh, they'd come back and give me a report. And then the next time they'd come, they'd say, well, here's the new principles. And I said, wait a minute, there's principles or something that don't change with time. And they, they've, they've stood the test of time. And it got me starting to dig and find out what what is sustainable and what is something that is lived through crisis after crisis and challenge after challenge. And it drove me to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament and the Bible. I wasn't really looking for that. I was really looking for the next whatever it was uh, that was that I could say was really solid. 
And I never could find anything but the moving sand. And then when I stumbled onto the book of Nehemiah in the early 80s, I started found it fascinating. And I read it, reread it, and reread it. Maybe I've now I've read it maybe a hundred times. And I found principles that are in there that were developed uh, during the time of Nehemiah. And that was some of the most terrible times in the world and most difficult times in the world. And those principles by which he operated and using to go back to used them to go back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem became etched in my heart. And I realized that this was this was God's principles. And somebody would ask me, well, how do you know they still work? And I said, well, that was twenty five hundred years ago and they still work today in the middle of every crisis that I've been in, and they worked 2,500 years ago. So I think I'm going to hang my hat on those versus the latest writer, even though I have tremendous respect for a lot of these guys that have been writing. So what do we find in, in Nehemiah? Why is it so, why should I make such a dogmatic statement that uh, they do work and they don't move? Well, first of all, if you look at the, the major themes in Nehemiah, it was a, um, a careful, constant reading of God's word that got Nehemiah through uh, these, these challenges that he went through. And number two, uh, God worked through the obedience of Nehemiah. It was God's plan. It was his rebuilding, but he worked through ob- Nehemiah, but it was the obedience of Nehemiah to God. And number three, and when you're doing God's work, the opposition will come. And even though we're in this major crisis right now, we hopefully will start coming out of it in the near future, there's still going to be a lot of opposition that's going to come. And Nehemiah was aware of that, and God saw him even through that. And then number four, uh, God can and will use circumstances for his glory. I call it the economy of God. It's difficult for us to see all that. And I think he knew that. That's one reason we're we're not given all those in-depth insights because we wouldn't know how to handle it if we did. But the one thing that that uh, Nehemiah realized is, number one, he realized that the wall of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And some of what's happening right now in so many lives in this country and around the world is there's a destruction of our wall, our human spiritual wall that's going on. And it's not something that is sudden. It's But maybe this crisis has brought it up to a, a, a clear reality within each of us that there, what within us can we be doing and what is God trying to say to each of us individually through this crisis? And that's what you see in Nehemiah. He also realized that uh, he could not rebuild that wall around Jerusalem except by the power of God himself. And we're going to look at a few principles real quick today on how did he start and why did he do what he did. And number three is that Nehemiah stuck to God's leading no matter what the opposition said, or in our case, the circumstances is. He stuck to God. He knew it was God's deal, and he was just going to stay with it. So if you look at the book of Nehemiah, it's very interesting how it's structured. Uh, Number one, uh, the first person, they were in captivity. The Babylonians had captured Israel. They had taken them into prison. And uh, the, the Cyrus the king came on from a, a Persian means uh, a defeat of the Babylonians. And even though Cyrus was a heathen king, he allowed the, the 
migration to come back to to Israel. And I found it fascinating when you saw the the perspective, and and you and and we can we can see that now looking back. But the first person went back was Zerubbabel, and he went back and he built the temple. Why the temple? Why not a wall to protect the city? Because he God told him to build that temple because you first had to establish this this spiritual emphasis that that he went back and built. And it's the same way in our lives during this crisis is that, yeah, we can create the physical walls around us to protect us from all this. We can stay at home, which is highly advised. We can do all these other actions. But what, when that same thing was occurring in the time of Nehemiah, it was the spiritual building that he first had reconstructed. And the second is when Ezra went back and he filled that spiritual building with God's word. And then third is when Nehemiah went back a uh, hundred years later and built the wall around it. And I always found that interesting that God first said, I want the spiritual side first and to get that right. And then I will provide the means and the person and my umption to get that physical protection then built. But it all first starts with the, with the spiritual side. So if we look at Nehemiah just very, very quick, there's, a, there's about the, uh, 12, 15 real quick principles. We're just going to spend a, a few seconds on, on each of them. How did Nehemiah do this? How did these men do this? Uh, in the middle of a crisis, walls have been destroyed, enemies everywhere. They're just coming out of seven years of captivity. Now what? Well, first of all, if you look at Nehemiah 1, it says that Nehemiah had a concern for the condition of the people. So number one, during this time, we should take a self-examination of how we're, uh, do we really have a concern for our neighbors and our employees? I mean, for real, not just a theoretical concern. Nehemiah, was, his heart was broken and his concern for, in the condition of his people then moved into compassion. And if we really have that, that, uh, God-given uh, especially among Christians, uh, a condition, a report on the condition of the people. And, and we really are trusting God that it should move us to compassion and it should move us to, to action. And number three, uh, that Nehemiah not only um, recognized the condition of the people and he stepped out with a compassion for the people, but he also recognized the, that God's power was the only way that was that they were going to get through this. And for to have the walls around Jerusalem rebuilt, it wasn't Nehemiah's wall. It's uh, publications say it's Nehemiah's wall. It has really little to do with it. It has to do with the obedience of one person with the power of God infused within him in a way that uh, this compassion and condition and observation took place. So how did he get there? Uh, what what it didn't just happen? Well, we we see in the fourth point that's found in, in Nehemiah one. That, it, that he not only he prayed for the people, but then he also made himself available to the people. It's one thing to have compassion. It's one thing to understand the conditions. It's one thing to understand God's word. But are you willing to make yourself available for God to use you during this time of crisis? And I've read so many great stories lately, just little stories here and there about people just stepping out and saying, God, here I am, and God is using them in an amazing way to meet the needs of, uh, of this world right now. But uh, God is just waiting for those few people to raise their hand and said, uh, I'm ready. And then, then he not only uh, he prayed, 
uh, for them. He made himself available to meet their needs, but then he waited upon God. He didn't run ahead of God. He he did planning. He did uh, you know, waiting and praying go hand in hand. And that's the time I think that God has put many of us today on a global perspective. You know, we can't do a whole lot ourselves, but he also wants us to stay in the game, uh, not to abandon ship. He's given us a vision. It may be a vision for ministries right now, for your church right now. It may be a vision for your for your business. He never said stop doing that. Just let's take a time now and really examine then what he has given us to do. And then Nehemiah, through this, he, he, it hit himself. He said, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm telling all these people that here's the problem, but I'm the problem. And I think during this time that we're in that God is, should be speaking to every one of our hearts. And ask, we should be asking ourselves that question, God, what have I done? that is not totally serving you? What am I doing with my employees? What about my actions and decision-making that I had coming down the line? Is that really in alignment with you? This is a time and an opportunity, probably maybe the only time in the lifetime of any of us that are on this, uh, hearing this message today, that he's given us the incredible time right now to say, God, I'm, I, I ask your forgiveness in these areas where I have not lived up to what you've asked me to do, and I have not treated people correctly. This is this time that he's given us that. He, Nehemiah admits his human weaknesses to God, and I think it's one of the key critical reasons that God used him as this obedient servant to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem because he, he literally laid his heart open to God. The question is, are we doing that right now? We have that opportunity to do that. And then he allowed God to speak through him to the people and that was something that uh, that we found that only God can do. Uh, we can get up and voice our opinions and our our education, but it's only the voice of God that is literally going to motivate people and it's going to pull them through these kind of circumstances. And God is looking to use us for that for that purpose. And then um, he then handled he. I think maybe it's the most important scripture uh, verse in the book of Nehemiah, and it's found in Nehemiah 2. And Nehemiah gets to the to Jerusalem, and he says he's there with a few good men, and he walks around the, the walls at night, and he prays and cries out to God. Now, God had already given him a plan, and he's given us many plans right now, but he went back to God. And it was just him and God in the darkness. And this is when God puts the, as Chuck Swindoll says, and, and hand me another brick, this is when God puts the steel in individuals. And are we allowing God in this darkness right now to put steel in us so that we can be used as, as this, this, this process goes through and we get through these, these many, it could be months, maybe, maybe, maybe even years to get through all this, but God is saying, are you willing to be in the silence with me so I can speak to you, so I can put steel in you, and I can start using you in the most powerful way? And then um, he, uh, Nehemiah then spent time to get his plan together, to organize the plan that God had laid upon him. And are we doing that now? Are we using this time to allow God to give us the plan? Maybe it's a revision in our ministry. Maybe it's a revision in our business. And now he's asking us, each and every one of us that believe in him as the sovereign God, to cry out to him and ask him to give us that steel and that plan. So as we exit this, 
that he that we will be a new person. We might even be a new company. We might even be a new ministry because God has spoken to us and we have yielded ourselves to them. And what will happen then? Well, number one, Nehemiah, through the power of God, turned ultimate despair. If you read the book of Nehemiah, it was just ultimate despair into incredible hope where the people says he, it was an anointing. And people could say, that is not Nehemiah, that is God speaking. And how many, when we come out of this, how many people will tell us, we heard God through you, we saw God through you. And it's an opportunity that many of us will never have again. And then what did Nehemiah start doing? He started working and he started praying. He never abandoned God during this whole process. Even then when success was coming, he realized that was not his success. That was God's success. And he led the troops through this most difficult time, Nehemiah 4, verse 6. And he kept the morale up because they realized that it was beyond a human being that was leading them now. It was God then, God himself. And then the, the stress and the discouragement started fading away, even though it existed, even after that. And success was there. It still existed. But again, Nehemiah never gave in to the discouragement. God is not a God of discouragement. This is something that the enemy uses, camouflages it. But God has, you've never found God to be in a God of discouragement. He's a God of direction. He may stop things, close things, open doors, close doors, but never through discouragement. And then finally, through this, this time of stress and, and, uh, the people themselves and all that they had gone through, that he kept his eyes upon God and, and God is the power that is not the power of discouragement, but of encouragement of light. What does it, what does an encouragement of light mean? Uh, there's an old story that was told. I read it, it through uh, G. Gordon Campbell. And he told the story about uh, that uh, Satan was having an auction one day. And he was auctioning off all the tools that he had used to uh, to uh, get to Christians. And uh, there was uh, uh, price tags on all these. And here's one for lust. And wow, it was really a lot of you know, big price tag on it. And then envy and power, and they all had price tags. But there was one tool that was sort of in the corner and uh, didn't have a price tag on it. It's all beat up. And uh, the people said, well, what is that one? Uh, Satan said, that's, that's not for sale. Well, what do you mean it's not for sale? I thought this was an auction. Uh, it's beat up. So what is it? Well, Satan said, I, I'm really... Uh, it's the one tool that I will use on, especially Christians, when lust won't get there, ego won't get there, power won't get there, money won't get there, career won't get there. I use this tool. And, of course, the, the crowd says, well, why, is, why would you do that? What is it? He said, it's the one tool that you don't realize it's from me. And it's so camouflaged that you don't understand that it's coming from me. In fact, most of you blame that tool on how it's used on God himself. So by then the crowd said, well, we, you've got to tell us what this is. And Satan says, it's that tool that I can use and nobody realizes it that I'm doing it. And the tool is called discouragement. 
God is not the God of discouragement. You will never find, through every word in the Bible, you will never find him being the God of discouragement. But the enemy uses that because it's camouflaged so well, we don't realize that discouragement is coming from him. And in fact, most of the time, we blame that situation, whatever it is, that we're discouraged. We many times blame it on God himself. Trust me, that is not God doing that. So especially during this time that we're in right now, that tool is being used in an amazing amount. And and so many people are you know beating up God for this. Uh, that's not God. That is Satan himself trying to discourage us. So what's what's the final secrets of Nehemiah? Well, there, there really isn't any. Uh, number one, he trusted totally in God. Number two, he sought God through prayer, prayer and fasting. Number three, he had, he put himself a third. He put God first, other second, and he was third. And number four, when he we realized that God was going to use him in a powerful way, didn't create ego, didn't create power. It created incredible humility because he realized that he was in the hand of God himself. So as we exit this incredible crisis, um, whenever that is, remember, God is the one that got us through it. He is not the God of discouragement. Amen. Uh, Carrie, there you go. Uh, so relevant insightful, encouraging. Can we just push the pause button for a moment and have you lead us, you know, in prayer, specifically praying for that business owner, nonprofit leader, pastor. Right now they're they're scared, they're afraid, they're wondering if they're going to have to let go people. They're, I know one pastor said even their tithes have dropped 75%. So in the midst of all of this, what you shared, it couldn't have been more, I think, timely. Carrie, lead us in prayer. Yep. Father, as we uh, are in this uh, incredible time in history, um, we've never seen anything like this, but you were totally aware of this. And Father, um, we are weak at heart, and um, we readily admit that to you. Father, we um, say we trust you. But, Lord, do we really trust you? And, Lord, we're uh, beaten up in many cases. We're scared, uh, not knowing uh, what to do in so many circumstances, dealing with employees and finance and health. And just the normal day of life has become totally changed. And, Father, um, I must admit, it's not glorifying to you the way we're handling it. So, Father, show us this week that you are indeed the God of encouragement. You're the God of light. You're not the God of darkness. And Father, as we struggle with with layoffs of staff and people and finances, Father, that you intercede and you give us that peace that goes beyond any of our understanding. It's your economy, not ours. And Father, we realize that you are in the midst with us. Uh, And Lord, we just ask that you would pour upon every single business person that is seeking you right now, every pastor, every parachurch ministry, every non-for-profit organizations that are seeking you for what to do and how to help. And Father, that you just create an anointing of wisdom and knowledge in people 
And Father, they've realized that it's from you and you alone. And we claim that. That's the one thing that Nehemiah did. He claimed the promises that you gave to his people. And Father, we are here right now to claim that promise that if we bring it unto you and it glorifies you, that you will take charge of that and you will do something with that. And Father, we just make that claim in the blood in the name of Jesus Christ right now that you would intercede in the most powerful way. Nobody will ever will ever deny that it was you and you alone who stepped into the midst of all of this because of what you're about to do. So, Father, we claim that, and we claim it in the name of Jesus. And, Father, just let us get use this time for us to repent to you, for to put the steel in us as we yield our own desires and our thoughts to you and our plans to you. Father, use us to change to change our course in our life, keep our vision on what you've given it to us, Father, but allow us to just resubmit that to you, just as Nehemiah did, resubmitted the plans to you. While he walked on that wall at night, nobody else around, we're just resubmitting our life and our plans to you right now, Father, and just confirm them, and we accept that, and we grab onto it in the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. Surely yeah. the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus.